Do you enjoy the content that we provide at Hockey Hertz? Do you do any holiday shopping on Amazon.com? Then click on the Amazon banners on our Hockey Hertz website before making any of your Amazon purchases. We get a kickback, you get to buy something that you like, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's like the Patrick Hornquist, James Neal trade. It's a win-win. Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHertz.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for December 5th of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will cover the turmoil up in Edmonton, um, the injuries that have once again decimated the Pittsburgh Penguins. Martin Brodeur makes his return and we'll discuss much, much more. Um, we are going to lead off with the Oilers who had a press conference today with General Manager Craig McTavish. Um, and he was basically, in a nutshell, blaming the prior administration and saying that he has not been there long enough to make a difference. So <laughs> not sure how that's going to sort itself out, but uh, what are your thoughts about the Oilers? He's not a politician. You can't go blaming someone else, as bad as it might have been beforehand. You just can't do it. I don't know. I... I... It, it's it's funny with the Oilers because they kind of went through the same thing Pittsburgh did. Pittsburgh were terrible and terrible and terrible, but they were really lucky in that they got a couple of generational players. You can say that the draft picks that the Oilers have got in the first round have the opportunity to be stars, but none of them are. Maybe Taylor Hall will be a superstar, but for number one picks, they just got unlucky. Where they've failed as an organisation, anything from the second round and beyond, that's where you've got to. That's where you've got to make your money, and the Oilers just haven't haven't managed to do it. I mean, not every team can be Detroit and, and get you know get lucky with their, their well not lucky but um, do well with their, their picks lower down almost every year. But the Oilers have been terrible below the first round. Yeah, and um, while McTavish pointed that he hasn't been there all of, you know he's only been there all of twenty months. He did yeah. keep around the same scouts and drafting team. And that is his fault. So you're right. You pointed at probably the number one thing that's plagued them, and that is their inability to make any significant draft picks outside of the obvious. Um, and they've been in the yeah. top five. So, I mean, how, how wrong could you go with some of those? The, one, of the, the, one of the arguments is that they can't attract – high-quality free agents. Why is it the Calgary can? They can? Well, they got Hiller. To be honest, I think one oh, of the biggest... Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I think one of the biggest differences between those two franchises that were probably level-pegging in regards to where people thought they were 
is what goes on in the net. You know, show me a good goaltender, show me a good coach is usually the, the argument you'll hear a lot of people make. And it seems to me that that whole argument of you can't attract free agents to, to you know, that area of the country doesn't seem to, to hold up. So is it the organisation that people are walking away from rather than, you know, the argument of it's the climate and all those sorts of things? I think teams that win can overcome yeah. that kind of stuff. Plain and simple. Nobody was knocking down Chicago's door to sign there when they were losing. Or Pittsburgh. And those are two pretty, pretty great American cities. So... You know, and, and not for nothing, but Toronto is not exactly drawn in any huge free agents. Phil Kessel was a trade. Kadri was drafted. Phaneuf was a trade. Other big-name guys, it's not like they went out and and signed anybody. It's, it, it's if you're yep. winning or not. Winning solves everything. If you win, okay. you'll get um, guys. So how do they... I think everyone's declared that this year's... Oh, David uh, Clarkson, uh, sorry. <laughs> okay, we'll move on from the Clarkson remark. So what do, what, what do the Oilers do? I mean, it seems as though everyone's given up on this year. The fans, the media, it feels as though the front office have as well. So you get there and go, do they hope that Conor McDavid comes as advertised and can take the franchise forward? You still have issues in the back of the net in their back six. I don't think they're going to be in that Connor McDavid hunt, to be honest with you. They're not even close. The fact that they'll turn, they'll turn it around and not be as bad as they currently are by the end of the year. I don't think they're that awful right now. I think their goaltending's been awful. Last year, they were like 28th, 29th possession team, and they were right there with Toronto and Buffalo at just being totally inept at that. Right now, they're... They're sitting at around 20th overall at 48.5% for their score-adjusted Fenwick. That's, that's not terrific, but it's certainly not in that area of just embarrassing. And I, I just don't – they're trending in the right direction. Like, they got much better in that, but their goaltending is so damn bad. It doesn't matter how often you have the puck if you're just it's, – it's tough when your goaltending is almost at – uh, 900 level at even strength. This I, I watched the <clears throat> I watched the Winnipeg Ottawa uh, Winnipeg Ottawa the Winnipeg Oilers game the other day and they should have won that game but it wasn't the goaltending that burnt them it's it's the people that are playing in front. Well, not every game's going to go. It'd be the no, 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 no. What I mean though is I can I can see I can see what you mean. Like they played really well that game. They owned they owned the puck for certain points of the top for certain points of the game. Um, Parent, a guy that's been bandied around um, to as, as trade bait for a guy that's one of the older and more experienced guys on the team and came from a well structured team in St Louis, made an absolutely terrible decision on one of the one of the Winnipeg goals, and a decision that a guy like him shouldn't make. He pinched when his defenseman's already pinched. And I think it was Jacob Trouba's goal. Um, it's decisions like that. It created, a, a, I think it was a three-on-one or something. Like, Pavlik had no chance in, in that situation. You sit there and, oh, Pavlik, um, I think it was, who was the goalie that game? I can't Scriven. Scriven's probably. 
I think it was Scrivens that game. He had no no chance. And you get there and go, is that coaching in regards to the coach isn't getting through? So it's not like it's not like Eakins wouldn't be saying do not do that. Is it the coach not getting through or the players not listening to the coach? Or is it just that it's one of the reasons why St. Louis got rid of Perrin in the first place? Are those sorts of decisions? It, it's like you watch that game. They weren't terrible. They just can't seem to win games. It's like the reverse of a good team who just win games they shouldn't win. Well, those good teams do that because goaltending, usually. Games you shouldn't win usually is an indication that you're being outpossessed by a lot. And really the only thing that can combat that, well, two things, goaltending and if you get a hot power play. Yeah, that's a good point. But Edmonton's Didn't... dead last in the league in goaltending. Even strength save percentage of 901. League average is like 921. Well, <laughs> I mean, come on. It's tough. It's tough when... And they're not a team that's only giving up 20 shots, so they're trying to get two goals. You know what I mean? Like, they're giving up 30 shots. So, so you're, chasing three. Three you're chasing three goals a game. It's one of those things at times where you get there. And they can, they can move the puck. You know, they, have, they do have puck movers on that back six, but they can't... Yeah, I, I don't know what direction that they go in. It's one of those things where you go, if that if you're that confident with that core forward group, which it seemed as though they were really keen to specify today, I would almost trade that number one pick. No. And no, 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 I, I get it, but it's like they need to fix up their back six, or they've got they've got to do something on that back end in the off season. Well, they McTavish sounds like Darcy Regeer during the uh, his later years during in buffalo he'd always talk about the core the core the core he stuck around with the core in buffalo way too long and this edmonton core is actually better than the core that buffalo had in my opinion um the guy that moves everly you don't move him now if you find the right deal you can i don't see why not but you don't move him for the sake of making change you're correct on that if you can find um, something that makes sense that helps your defense with Everly, yeah, I would do that right now. Would you? One of the big things that a lot of Oilers fans are asking for is a second line center. Yeah. Would you Would you prefer to go for a second line center, or would you prefer to go D, for a, D? Yeah, that's he's so weak. They just drafted their second line center. They just got to wait a little bit on him. Should they send him down no. now that basically the season's toast? No, just whatever, play him. Let them learn. Last 20 games, haven't they? They're not playing terribly bad, like I said. So it's not like he's playing on Buffalo right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, Are They're the still Oilers... making plays. Uh, uh, so you're suggesting the Oilers aren't going to destroy Buffalo's um, quest. No, Buffalo might destroy though. Buffalo's quest. Yeah, they keep winning, but that won't continue. I hope so for their sake. But you know, there's some good things for the Oilers. Ryan Nugent Hopkins looks great this year. He does. Taylor Hall he is does. a superstar in my opinion. Um, you reckon he's there already? Yeah, he's top ten scorer each of the last few years, if I can recall correctly. He's electric with the puck. He's fast. He's a he's a great player. 
He's great fun to watch. He, when he gets the puck, something happens. There's not one guy in their defense that I think is any good. I think Justin Schultz is one of the most overrated players. I think he's not good at all. That was. I, I think they'd be very wise to stay away from extending him. And with Tyler Dello in the mix, if you've read any of his articles about Schultz, um, if they take his advice, they won't be um, financially committing to a guy like that. So... But you got to get a guy like Nail Yakupov going. Oilers are the only team I know that draft a guy number one overall and then make that guy try to prove himself. Rather than give him a chance to succeed. You drafted him number one overall. Isn't that the proof itself? Well, you'd assume so. You'd assume that that commitment at number one would be enough to make you go, well, obviously we think he can play. Let's see what he can do rather than make him earn it. They've played games with him for a while now. They did it, that, Stuff like that is why they're the Oilers. If you didn't truly believe in him and you weren't going to put him in right away, why draft him one? Why stay with that pick? Why not draft um, who Columbus took? Uh, Ryan, was it Ryan Murray? I think so. Yeah. Well, just trade it away. Trade it away. Trade it for an asset in a different area and get a, a slightly lower pick. Make someone else make that decision. You know, any any of these choices would be better than playing hardball with the guy like Yakupov, making him prove him. Uh, like, come on. It feels like it's been this way in Edmonton for a while, and the Oilers fans would obviously be able to say yay or nay on that. But is that coming from the top? Is that coming from Cates, or is that coming from the actual hockey manager? Like, it just seems to be, it doesn't matter who they roll into the they're general all, manager. They're all 1980s Oilers, old school mindset. So they really need to go and look somewhere else, and they haven't. Correct. I think that's where it begins and ends. Stop hiring former player legends. Good luck trying to change that then. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, how many times do you got to go down the same road? No, that's a good point. Enough Kevin Lowe, enough Craig McTavish. Move on. The 1980s Oilers teams will still be great. And still be remembered fondly if you can, these guys. Suppose you don't really need to keep adding on to that legacy, do you? No, you just got to stop the bleeding. So They might have to bleed out before that happens. Well, speaking of bleeding, Penguins love yeah. their injuries again. Oh, God, it's not even just... That team, it's one of those things where, as a Penguins fan, you get to go, okay, this particular roster in the first 10 games, 12 games, you go, all right, this, this roster is really close to actually being a chance to to win the Stanley Cup, not just make the playoffs and win a couple of rounds, but actually do something with a roster that a lot of people have thought should have done a lot more than they have with that core, to quote-unquote, and they can't get it on the ice now. So it's it's comical when you look at the way this team seems to just fall apart. I mean, Kunitz breaks breaks his foot. He's gone for at least two weeks. I think he should miss for longer so that he's actually 100%. Bennett goes down. Latane goes down. You've Hornquist. Pretty, you've, Hornquist went the last game. You've lost Dupuis for basically the entire year. Um, and then you've got players getting suspended as well. So interesting how it works. Yeah, that first 10 games, they were pretty awesome. And that was with Craig Adams and Zach Sill still 
on the roster. And that's what, I, that's what I mean. There was room for improvement. They had roster spots that they could improve with with trades later in the year. And right now, um, you don't really want to go and, and try and make a big splash of a trade to fill the holes. And thankfully, even though they haven't made a trade, it wasn't something that was crazy. It didn't cost them a roster player. Um, it gave them someone who can go and slot into that bottom six quite comfortably. Um, and, and that's where he belongs. So I'm hoping no one's expecting him to jump into that top six and do anything extra special. I mean, Klinkhammer, you know, costs 625000 that He's contracted to next year as well, I think. Um, I think that was a, just a good job of general managing um, yeah, to, to get yeah. – uh, Robert Klinkhammer, to, they trade away uh, Philip Samuelson. He was a waiver. Yeah, I mean, he was never going to get a shot with the Penguins, with Dupre, Mata, Pouliot, yeah. Harrington, Dumoulin, all in front of him. Bortuzzo, if you want to throw him in there. Um, I'm not so sure that he will ever become a regular NHL player. To be honest, he could, but he'll be a low end. So, Clint Hammer's been a, 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 a good possession player the last few years for a bottom six guy. His offense isn't off the charts. But if you're not a liability in your own end and, you, and you're not living out of your own end and you're $625,000, that's the kind of player that can help a Stanley Cup contending team, um, somebody that's not drowning out there. So really good trade. It's one of those things where the Penguins have been a prime example of needing to have that bottom six depth to get you through the playoffs. They didn't have it last year. And as soon as, you know, we found out at the end of the season that Crosby was injured, that's why he couldn't produce. As soon as you start losing the production in that front six, you need your bottom six to not get stuck in, in, in their own third. And, if what you're telling me is true and Klinghammer can, can get the puck down the other end of the ice, you're happy with that in your bottom six. Where we, With the way the current roster is sitting, would he be a third or a fourth liner at the moment? Like this moment? Yeah, yeah like right now, with the way the roster currently sits. I, I'd i be hard-pressed to, to think he wouldn't be a, a third liner. Yeah, that was what I thought. Because I'd bump Sutter up to play with Malkin on the wing. You want Gok as the third line? Yeah, sure. Even though he, they had him on second line left wing today in their I just, practice. I, I, I think you're right. You, you, you've stated you've stated a couple of times in a few things you, you've written. Put Sada with skill, and he can play, but he can't carry a line on his own, so he can't drag other players. Yeah, he might as well office. maximize his value right now when yeah. when they don't have. Yeah. A lot of skill will plug and play some guys that are a known commodity to play with skill. Yeah. So I can, the, the funny thing with that is that it's like not everyone's Crosby and, and Malcolm who can lift players that are of lesser talent and, and make them produce. But even they have limits. They, they're not mirac- no, I, miracle I, workers here. Like Nick Spalling is not going to ever be productive with Malcolm or Crosby. What a Who would you what play? a damning indictment that is of a player. You have no chance of ever being successful playing with those two. I mean, it takes a special kind of bad in my book. Did Hornquist skate today? No. No. All right. So the assumption being he's not going to play against Ottawa tomorrow. Correct. 
does that leave Crosby with who does it leave Crosby with? Because there's no none of his three line mates are there that he's had this year. So who do you who do you play him with? I think they had him with Spalling again. Rafe. Uh, and maybe Downey. What's even worse? Um No. Yeah. Spalling's the, the, the worst. <laughs> You know the thing that was funny about the Bortuzzo suspension? What's Probably that? Probably of all, of all the players that, that didn't need to sit at the moment with the way the back six are for the Penguins, it would have been him because he's brought the guy that's going to replace him into the lineup for a two-game free pass where there's absolutely no pressure on Dumoulin thinking that he's going to get the arse. He knows he's got two games and he'll sit after the two games because Bortuzzo will come straight back in. Um. It's been brilliant because Dumoulin was great against Vancouver. Did nothing wrong. Um, looked really comfortable. Yeah, and, and predictably so. He's, yeah, he's exactly. done a good job. And to your other point, Magna was playing with Spalling and Sid today. Oh, for, he's, you know what? His first two games, he looked like a guy that thought his career was on the line. And I don't know whether the coaching staff had a word to him or whatever, but he's definitely improved. He was pressing earlier. Yeah. And he's not anymore, and it shows because he's using his skill set that he's got, i.e. his speed, to get to the right spots. He'll eventually score a goal, even if it is just on puck luck. Yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah, no, that's, that's all he Because he should be a third or a fourth line player. He shouldn't be playing on the second line, but currently he is. No, but at so, least he's fast. Yeah, and that's, that's what you want. He can at least get up and down the ice and doesn't seem to do anything particularly bad. And, and that's what you want from your, your bottom six level players. So, Como being yeah. a great example of that. Exactly. Although I think he should have got suspended for that um, boarding slash. Did, they, did they say that they weren't looking I at it? I haven't read anything which would almost suggest that they're not going to bother. But that's his. Well, Tanev didn't get hurt. No, but he got suspended last year for the exact same hit. So it's not like he's learned how to, to do that without. He knew he was in the wrong right away, but that doesn't change no, doing that, it. That's, that's the thing. Like he did it, and he regretted doing it. You could see his reaction was like, "Oh crap, what have I done?" Um, but yeah, that doesn't excuse him for, for the actual action and the fact that uh, was it Tanev that he yeah hit. The fact that Tanev managed to get up and, and walk away from it doesn't make what he did any any less. Well, we've beat, we've beaten that drum. It should have nothing to do with anything. But yeah. it does, and it is everything to the NHL. So, yeah. So, yeah. And then the Bortuzzo thing, I beat to death in a couple. I did a couple of articles on the Bortuzzo thing, so there's no need to go over. Is there anything else in regards to the injury crap that Pittsburgh are going through at the moment? Um, just that the even though the Islanders just overtook them for the division lead. They're, they're still in a good spot in the standings. There's really no uh, immediate need to go out and, and make a trade for the sake of – like a big trade, not like a trade like yeah. today that was, you know, a pretty shrewd move in my opinion. Um, Low-level deal that's going to help the team. Uh, I think Rutherford did notice that the depth was shot, and he made that low-level move, and that, and that was a that's terrific just... job. But, like, as far as, like, the big trade everybody's waiting for, like a David Perron type of thing – they don't have to panic and make that move right now because they're yeah. they're totally fine in the standings. So, but tomorrow yeah. they play Ottawa, who's not a good team. They do need to start 
even with the injuries, they need two points in those kind of games to give Rutherford more time to find the better deal. They start losing games like tomorrow over the next few weeks. That's that's not good. Would you be okay with overtime or shootout losses, though? Yeah, if you're taking points all yeah. the time. Um, do you remember when Sid and Gino were out that year, 2010-11? Yeah. I felt like every game they played for overtime, and they got to overtime. And then Flurry. Being as great as he is in the shootouts, they, they were actually yeah. winning. He just kept shoot, uh, stealing points. This is why they need to go to a 3-2-1, because I don't think that's right. Correct. I you totally agree, but they're in that yeah. system now. Might as, yeah, well, so you yep. might as well take advantage. And that's what's been hurting Boston at the moment as well. They just can't get to those overtime games and steal a point when they need it. Because the injuries in Boston are starting to take effect in regards to their record. They were doing such a good job, you know, treading water and keeping their head above water, and, and that might save them. But they do need some guys to start getting back on the ice. Yeah. Because that Atlantic, that Atlantic division is going to be the team. They're going to take five to the playoffs. Maybe. Probably. Well, Probably. Right. Washington, Washington is starting to creep up the – Creep up the standings. I guess the team I just was making fun of, Ottawa's right behind them. But they're they're not as... um... No, you're right. Um, Boston, the good news for them, Charo will be back on the 11th. So less than than a week from now, I believe. That'll be fine. That's huge. Yeah, he he makes up for whatever they They did a great job battling. Yeah, I agree. It's just it's almost like that they just they're out on their legs now. They need they need him back and well thankfully, you know, five or six days he is back. So that's great. They'll be fine. I didn't realise he was coming back quite that quick. So that's good. And Rest started the year not so hot and, and has been better. Um outside of um that, that Sharks game last night was pretty crazy. Six yes. six goals in the second period, four of which the Sharks scored. So Rask was not up to the task last night, but he has been better since his yeah, uh, no, it's, I agree. Yeah. So. And it's just it's one of those things where he it's just the the regression starting to, to come along. And it's it's trying to say the word the players are fatigued. They're just overworked trying to work so hard to fill gaps that they're just you know, Chara does so much for them. You know, Krejci does so much for them. So having those guys missing it's well, really Berger, hard Berger to around more than Krejci. True. But it's t- it's just tough, and it, they've done such a good job of, of still hanging around. So it's good. And with with, I think the NHL is better with Boston in the playoffs than not. Yeah, and depending on what rumors you want to follow, like the Edmonton and Boston talking, I could see the most Edmonton move ever, trading Eberle for a guy like Lucic, who's, who's pretty overrated. Yeah, he's tough. That's yeah, true. blah blah blah. He's not a good. He's not a good possession player when compared to his other teammates on Boston. He's not really scoring a ton of goals anymore. All right. So if, if, if he's not great at carrying possession, you would assume and hope that a guy like Tyler Dello would be there and say, do not do this. And hopefully they do listen. Well, it all comes back to, you can hire somebody, but if you don't listen yeah. to them, that's, and that's the argument because that's going to be the, for, for me, to be honest, the Oilers are the, beginning of advanced stats being taken seriously or not 
because if Dallo is there saying do not do this and then the staff go ahead and do the opposite of what he's saying, um, it'll be interesting to see how that's taken in the wider hockey community. Oh, advanced stats are useless, whatever, whatever. Or as you've just said, what's the point of using advanced stats? What's the point of having advanced stats if you're not going to use them? So it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out over the next 18 months. Yeah. Well, Lucic, he's been okay possession-wise, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like Everly, highly skilled, put him on Boston. I think they get more out of that than having Lucic around. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah, yeah, but that's it's been one of the things with with the Oilers. Um, a, a few people have made the suggestion that they don't want to trade any of their pieces that are actually valuable because. They're scared that they go into a different environment, they're just going to explode and be the player that, you know, they drafted them for. And it's like, you do have to give to get. And so who cares what to... they do after you get rid of them? No, they're not that's working right. for you. You've got to get a piece that improves your team. So at some point, they're going to have to get out of that freeze with a couple of options and do something if they want to do it via trade. They're not going to do it in. They're not going to do it in season. You can't trade in season anymore for anything big. I don't think it's so hard to do. Just with the salary cap structure, and, and I know they've tried to make it easier for teams by saying, "I oh, will hold some of the, we'll take some of the money from the person's cap hit and those sorts of things." But it's just it stuff changes for for us just have to be done majorly um, in the off season. It seems to be the way it goes now. Yeah, I mean, your argument would be Gabrick, wouldn't it, for LA? Yeah, but that's about it that I can think of. Carter. Was that in season, was it? Yeah, because he got traded in the offseason to Columbus. All right, so it only works if it's LA. <laughs> and, and Columbus. Is what we're saying. <laughs> that hasn't worked out terribly for for Columbus, though. It's not like they've gone totally backwards. I know you're not a fan of Jeff Johnson. It, that trade but... has worked out terrible for them. They got worse on defense. Yeah, I know. But they haven't gone, they haven't nosedived, though. Cause Just because the be... team got a new GM and he made others surrounding doesn't mean that they gave up Voracek. Oh, I know. And Couturier for, for John... Jack Johnson, essentially. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I, I appreciate, I, I understand that, but they haven't, they haven't bottomed, like it hasn't killed them. You know what I mean? That's no. all I'm No, saying. I know. It, it, you're right. But man, if you think about it that way, it's just a killer. Not maybe not quite as bad as Martin Erat for Philip Forsberg, but that's just nasty. But that that was a guy trying to save his job, and he he's put a franchise back because of it. That's the thing. <laughs> Doesn't have the job neither. No, I know, but that that's the thing. It was like this either works for me, and I keep my job, or it doesn't, and I leave, and it doesn't bother me anyway. You know, that's the problem with some of these deals that these guys make when they're trying to save their jobs is that it sets a franchise back. I mean, you could uh, – I was going to say you could say the same thing about Sherry, but I don't know. He gave up a few picks for wrong pieces more so than saving his job, so it's a different argument. But that McPhee move was just – yeah, that was just heartbreaking if you're a Washington fan. Yeah, that's got us <laughs> – Jesus. That would yeah. rub me the wrong way so much. Yeah. To, I mean, he is lighting it up this year. Yeah. He looks and he always had, and he, he always had um, good raps about him. He might just be a little bit slow, but 
Um, I don't. I just do not understand. It shows you how good a coach Laviolette is, though. He seems to be able to get the most out of players for the short time that he's bearable. I mean, obviously, then he turns out he's welcome, but that man can certainly coach teams. Yeah, it's got to be such a difference to go from trots to Mm. to that. Yeah, I agree. All right, speaking of things that are polar differences, how do you go with the devil in a blue note? (laughs) They will be singing the blues. For that signing. Oh, Pub Central. Marty Broder. I know you want to do it. Rip it out. Rip into him. Go on. He's picking up right where he left off. Yeah, we can't argue that. Yeah, his, he hasn't been league average in the last four years. He's living off a legacy. Um, I, I just don't understand the St. Louis Blues, they do such a nice job with their roster, but it's like nobody there understands how to evaluate goaltenders. Because they had Halak, and they trade him away, and then spend big assets for Ryan Miller. But Halak and Miller are the same guy. You know? And then they sign... A guy that's been over the hill for four years. Well, he cost the Devils last year a playoff spot. You don't play Brodeur for as many games as you did and they make the playoffs. St. Louis this is year, a they really just... good team. Yeah, I know. It, you get there with it and they started to get that feel of the Penguins about them in that they're a really good team, but they just can't push through and, well, for Pittsburgh, go on and have a crack at another cup. But for St. Louis with this particular roster – feels like they may not get past the second round. And a, and a decision like this isn't encouraging me that they're going to do any better. Like, they need Elliot back. They should have been all over. Well, I was just going to say Halak. They already had him. <laughs> um, like a guy like Hiller. Thomas Grice. Some, something. All right. The Grice one I'll agree with, but they were confident they were going to be fine with Elliot and Allen. So what I mean is, at this point when you're in this situation, though, what do you do? That sign, Broder. Okay, so what's your other option, though? I agree. I'm, I'm saying there has to be a better option out so there. Play Allen. You went into the season with Elliot, who, you know, he's not... Has, has question marks over him anyway. So you went in with that duo knowing there were question marks and that the other guy might have to play. Well, he Elliot got hurt, so the other guy now does have to play. And your first reaction right. is to bring in... Um, an over-the-hill, quote-unquote, legend who has an ego, who's not there to be a backup, who thinks he's still a starter, but he stinks, and he's probably worse than a ton of AHL goalies. Just listen to the passion in your voice. Not happy at all. It's just complete incompetence, understanding the goaltender position. The thing that I don't get is it's like um, Corey Schneider's getting – Played to the played to the bone, right? He's playing every game under the sun. It's like it's ridiculous. I guess that's a devil's game. thing. No, oh, yeah, I know. But what what I'm trying to say is, what is it that St. Louis was scared of to play Allen in four out of five games for the for the remainder until Elliot does come back? Like I don't I don't get it because Brodeur's not going to sit there and play one in five. 
And if you have got Broder as your backup, in reality, Alan probably should be playing seven of eight in regards to your ratio of games. And, and maybe Broder plays the slight extra one in that if they've got back-to-backs. But I don't, I don't understand why they didn't go and go for a, an AHL. Well, one would be cheaper for starters. Um, and because I think even if they cut Broder, they still have to pay him his money and his cap, it still stays on the cap. So this is the other bit that I don't understand in regards to the way the contract situation works. You'd have been better off bringing up someone from the AHL. Even if it's if there's no one in your particular system that you trust, surely you can trade a seventh rounder or a sixth rounder or something like that. Or a, a, like what the Penguins did, trade a prospect that's never going to see the light of day in your system. Yeah, to pick up someone that can fill that hole and just play that one every eight games and give Allen the rest. Because everyone's saying that they think he's the future of that team in that anyway. I'm not so, sold on that, by the way. His numbers no, haven't been it, great. A lot of people are suggesting that he is, so at least it gives you a chance while you're forced to do it to find that out and not waste whatever it is that they've got on that contract. I, it's just, I look at it from a management point of view more so than it's a Marty Brodeur point of view. His numbers haven't stacked up for the last couple of years in regards to him even being AHL average. So why buy him in? I just, yeah. For a team that's done a really good job of compiling that roster, just seems so out of tune. <laughs> I don't get it. You see teams like Tampa, they trade for Ben Bishop, a guy that was undervalued, working out all right for them. Blue Jackets, same thing, trade for Bobrovsky. I suppose you can't be brilliant at evaluating everything. It's like a roster. I mean, it's, always... part of it is a crapshoot. I get that. But, like, they're so infatuated with veteran name and they're overpaying value just to get that familiar name. And I, I'm just not sold at that position. You need a name. I don't. Well, You've been pushing that for a while, no matter what team it is. You look at the numbers more so than the name. I think we've. I think we've established that over the course of the last <laughs> last. Six, a lot of six, these guys six, are interchangeable, man. Except for if you're really great or really crappy, like Broder, who's been both ends of the spectrum. When you think about yeah, it, yeah, current current modern day Broder is crappy. Former yeah. Broder, obviously, I'm not talking about that guy. No, we we appreciate that. Although, actually spe- although he's overrated too. Yep, I, I said it. <laughs> it's an era thing. I kind of slide into that slot as well with him. Speaking of Tampa, how good is it to have Hedman back? The the best get better, I I guess. Yeah, I know. It sucks for the rest of the East. They look fantastic. They got so much great young forward depth too. It's unreal. But they're fun to watch. I think that's the thing. Like you you said it a couple of times, you know, we watch this to be entertained. Well, they are entertaining. And they, they are really good fun to watch. They do have one weakness. Yeah? It's not a weakness right now because Ben Bishop's good. But if he gets hurt, if Genny Nabokov... So you're talking about the Nabby, <laughs> the Nabby effect. Islanders can um, preach to that. Yeah. Um, he played worse than Flurry in that Islanders series, if that's even fathomable. Oh, stop with your Flurry bashing. No, no, no. Keep going. No, but I mean, like, Flurry was really a, bad I, in that series. I, he got pulled, and Nabokov was worse. Yeah, I know. It's probably the only reason I got through in that 
that particular series. It's terrible. But um, it's it's one of those things. Do you think having Naby as their backup is going to cost them number one in the conference? No, 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 no. I think Bishop uh, will stay healthy. I think it'll be a. I do think it'll be a non-issue, but. You want to have a better backup than that. No, no. I, I think Bishop will be fine. What I mean is, are they going to lose points in those games where Naby plays that could cost them being the number one seed and having home ice the whole way through That's a, the East Coast playoffs? That's all I meant. I, I'm, I'm hoping for their sake that Bishop is healthy because their season will be totally derailed if he's not. No, that's certainly a valid, valid question. Um because you get there and go, how valuable, how do you, you rate home ice? I mean, if you're the Penguins, home ice hasn't meant jack shit for them in the last three or four years. So it doesn't matter where you end up in the playoffs just as long as you get in there. But for other teams, is you know, is St. Pete Times Forum that bigger advantage for Tampa that they really, really want to have home ice? Well, he's only played six games, but he's sitting at a 907 even strength save percentage, which is... How many, how many wins, though? I don't care about how many wins. No, but that's the relevance to the points thing, though. If he's, if I he's get what won, you're saying. but If he's won five of those six, he's not costing them points at the moment. So it's not doesn't matter if he is or isn't the backup. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just not a big goalie wins guy. No, 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 I know. But in regards to them actually being top of the conference, that the two points is all that matters. I, and that's where, that's where I have this argument with advanced stats at times. Two, three, that, and one. So he is costing them points. So that's where... In this case, yes. Sometimes, um, well, look at Ryan Miller. His record is sparkling. And at the beginning of the year, he was playing very bad. And I would consider the Canucks very lucky to get through that. But now, their goaltending is playing very good. Yeah. or, Or better. And the team's still playing very good. And the Canucks are a team to watch out for now because they won in spite of bad goaltending. Which was not sustainable, but guess what changed? Their goaltending's fine now, so they got through it. We got to watch them against the Penguins. As look as depleted as the Penguins' lineup is, they played poorly because the Canucks were good. Yeah, their depth right now. Great. They do it. They do a lot of things right, and they look really, really good. And they still have their top end talent. That's the other thing. It's not like they're just four lines of the same stuff. They still have those game breakers on that team. That Their back end depth surprised me. I don't think they drop off from one to six on their, their defensive end substantially. So it's not like they're having to hide five and six. So that's really important. I think Tanev's underrated, dude. Yeah. Helps when you get plastered into the boards, start paying attention to him. No, but um, he um, he played here, Kalachaki, Rochester oh, okay. Institute of Technology. He was on the uh, team that went to the Frozen Four. Oh, okay. Um, and um, one of my friends who coaches for them, actually, I believe, recruited him. So, you know, a little personal tie-in there. So I root for him. Fair enough. But he's at 56.2% possession this year. But he's a guy that's not talked about a lot. But, but that then, plays then, into what you're saying. That's the thing. He's their 5-6 defenseman. And you get there and go... What are the five, six defensemen for the Penguins like? In that particular game, I, I think Desprey was 38 or something like that for his possession percentage-wise. So you get there and go totally opposite poles. So you can see why it was a three-zip score. So it's one of those things where... Well, I, I, was, like, I was talking about for the year. 
not just that game. No, no, no. I, I fully appreciate, and that, that's the thing. I mean, Despray's numbers have been up and down. All I don't can't remember what his yearly number is, but his numbers have been up and down, up and down like a yo-yo. So fifty point seven. The- so he's, yeah, it's 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 funny how it, it's almost like a Mark Andre Fleury save percentage thing. Yeah, low high, I, low high, low high. Oh, look, he's he's average. Exactly, and, and it's it's the thing with Despray. It's like. He was terrible in that game against Vancouver, and it, it showed. But then you get there with Vancouver, and they're five, six guys. He's still playing through. with the Scuderi, though. No, ignore that. But you look at the well. You look at that pair, the five-six pair for Penguins in that game were terrible. You look at Vancouver's five-six pair, and they were far from terrible. They were pushing possession. You go well. There's a difference in the three-zip game. So depth all the way through that lineup in Vancouver is a blessing for them. If they can stay healthy for a team that I think both you and I thought weren't going to make, well I know I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. No, they've been a pleasant surprise. And they're good. And once again, it's quality hockey to watch. It's not like they're trying to shut the game down and win one nil games. They're trying to score and win games, which is much more fun to watch. So it's a good product. To I think that's, much- you're going to see that trend in the league though. I think I Hopefully. really do think we're going to start to turn a corner with the advanced metrics and it's going to play a role and the overall quality of the product, and we're going to start steering away from the Zach Sills and Craig Adams and get bottom six guys that can, you know, do a little bit more. All right, so you know what's going to hold that back, though? What? Is if the officials don't call penalties on teams that are highly skilled because they don't want to influence the game. So if those teams that carry possession and and uh, forcing the other team to hold, clutch, and grab, and the officials just let it slide, then there's no bonus, an advantage for those teams that carry the puck. So you're just going to end up with frustrated players and whacking and hacking again. So unless the league actually gets there and goes, call the penalty you see, I don't care if you've already given seven penalties in the game, call the eighth one. Until that starts happening, we're going to have this... Flux in the middle of what you're talking about, I reckon. That's going to be the thing that holds it back. And I looked into this because the Penguins' power plays went down drastically, the amount that they've gotten per game. And you did this thinking their possession dropped as well, didn't you? And it did. So what I did was first I looked at what the Penguins' possession was when they were getting a lot of power plays. And the the date that I chose was when Crosby slammed his Stick Stick against the glass, because that was a popular narrative that the refs are against the Penguins. And the possession before that was great. The possession after that, you know, whether it be injuries or or whatnot, was much lower. It was in the 40s. They were a top three team um, before. And then during that sample size after, they were like 26th overall. Wow. Then I was like, okay. I'll take this further. I'm going to look back at least seven or eight years and see if there's been a correlation between possession and power play opportunities. And this is, uh, you know, I haven't written the article yet, but sorry, a little little spoiler. There is literally (laughs) no correlation between possession and power play opportunities. And to me, I was like, are you kidding me? And that just goes to show the human element of refereeing. The teams that are carrying the play aren't like there is that underlying human nature of, oh, well, 
I don't want to call that penalty because, like you said, I don't want to call the eighth one or even the fifth one because the other team's only had two. Well, guess Hockey. what? The other team's not kicking ass tonight, <laughs> you know? Hockey, to me, seems to be the only sport in all the four majors in the States that the officials go out of their way, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, to not let the stars be stars. You look at basketball, all their superstars get favourable calls. They all get to take three steps when they when they pick the ball up. They all travel all the time. And, and you get there with it and, and you look at baseball, all the star pitchers always get the calls on the corners. Um, it's, it's one of those things. Even in the NFL, it's like they want offence, they want offence. So oh, yeah, all- the five-yard holding calls are all the rave now. Yeah, you, you get what I mean? So, and then you get there with hockey and it's like, oh, you've got to work through it. The superstars work through the hooks and the holes, and they're the tough ones. Why do you think the, why do you think the Penguins can't do anything in the playoffs? It's because the rules change. They, they, you can see it. They consistently change. From You get there, game 82, you can get there, and you've got a certain set of rules. You get to game one of the playoffs, and all of a sudden it's like, it's like the expectation is that nothing gets called. And it's like, why should that change? I do not understand. It doesn't detract from the game if you keep the calls exactly the same as they were in the regular season. In fact, I would prefer to see games be high scoring or high chances, which high chances, would mean the, yes. which means the goaltenders played out of their skin, which is also fun to watch, or they just miss the net. It's, you know what I mean? Though? It's like, why reduce the game down to that mid-90s devil's crap because you don't want to call the penalties. Call them. You see them, call them. It's just, it's the only sport that detracts away from the superstars being superstars. Baffling. Sorry, rant. No, that's great. Next topic? (laughs) No, but just to piggyback off what you're saying, like, for me to find no correlation between possession and power play opportunities... That, yeah, that defines the human element of officiating, and, and that needs to get better. Better teams, better players deserve advantages, and they're not getting them. It seems like there's this underlying, I got to even things out mentality. That's what you hear all the time from all the, all the, all the special comments guys from the 70s, 80s, and 90s that are calling the games now. They're all like, oh, that'll even up later on. That's an even up call for a call that wasn't called earlier on. Call them when you see them. It's one of the, it's one of the things that's so frustrating about the suspensions that do and don't go through at the moment. There's absolutely no consistency. And, I mean, Blake Como, if he'd have been suspended for more games when he was playing with Columbus, would not have made that skill error on his hit with that boarding call. Because it was just a skill error. He didn't have to do that. And as soon as he did it, he regretted it. But he would not have made that error had he... He sat five games and lost 50 and lost grand. Money. Correct. And lost money for it. So you get there with it and it's like the players can't police themselves. And the fact that... No, the old, they can't. And the fact that the old deterrence of the enforcer are leaving the game, they've got even less chance to defend themselves not that i ever thought that, that probably never that. worked ever either in no i don't think it did either but those things are being taken out of the game so you get there with it and go unless the nhl actually decide to enforce the rules that are in the rule book i'm not asking them to change the rules i'm just asking them to call it like it is in the rule book 
unless they start doing that, you're going to see more play because the game's getting faster again. You're going to see more situations where players are going to get. They're getting better get, players in the bottom sixes in some places. Yeah, eventually, eventually the talent will swell and that will filter down through all the teams. It's just, it's just common statistical number. It will have to happen because obviously players improve as, as you know things progress with training and, and skill sets and just human evolution. Things will eventually get better. But yeah, and the human element with the with the officiating, I don't think it would be that hard for them to to be quote unquote better. They just have to be told, call what you see. It's it's a it's a feeling oh, not a feeling. It's a flow that the officials are being told to to give, and so they're told to do it that way, and that's what they do. It's like when they came back from the league, call everything, call everything, and then everyone was up in arms because there were penalties everywhere, and it's like get the players to adjust, don't have the officials adjust. Get the players to adjust from the construct that you've set up for them. They're smart enough to do it. And if they're not, just keep sending them to the box. Then they'll be out of the league. Put someone else in that can play within the construct. Agreed. Now, back to your back to your stats stuff you were talking about before. Calgary, oh, Calgary, Colorado last year defied all the odds for the regular season and then kind of got found out a little bit in the playoffs, right? Correct. Calgary this year mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Yep. So what are the people that are for and against the advanced stats like to have this little table tennis match with, with Calgary is that Calgary should regress back to the norm of their numbers, meaning that they should fall away from the output that they're giving at the moment. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that will happen this year. Mm-hmm. The probability... Is it's extremely will. high that they regress. That's not a hundred percent. The stats will head you in the right direction for probability, but as we all know, there's still that other chance that it doesn't go that way. Colorado so, being a prime example of that last year. Toronto being a prime example the year before. Eventually, so, if you keep down the path of terrible possession, your PDO. Shooting percentage and save percentage yeah. had better maintain unsustainable levels to balance <laughs> that out. So, and, so Colorado is a good example of regressing back to those numbers this year, though, aren't they? Yes, because well, they you know it's not the same exact team that they were last year. I'd argue no, that they made worse moves, but their possession's <laughs> similar. Varlamov's not playing that same way. And I'd, so I'd guess without of, looking that their shooting percentage isn't anywhere where it was last year. No, your problem you've got is half of your PDR was dropped off. Which is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. So, so, then, they're so for Calgary, then you're asking whether Berra and Hiller can maintain this for 82 games. Well, I think Hiller's and a very good goalie. Hill has proved that he can, so there's no reason why they can't debunk the but the law of averages. Even with great goaltending, if you're really bad at possession, like like the Flames have been, and right now they're 45.6 percent score adjusted Fenwick. Wow. Um, even really good goaltending, if you're giving up that many 
shot attempts over the course of time you're going to give up goals um the other part of that is shooting percentage and if i can recall correctly i think calgary is yep number two in the league 9.62 percent so they so they better keep shooting the daylights out of the puck and I've, i've watched a few calgary games because i'm interested to see what their games look like because obviously, like you were saying, with the possession and stuff, it doesn't. They don't look like they're hemmed in. They they don't look like they're giving up a truckload of a truckload of shots. They don't look like they're being totally outplayed. But then you get there at the end of the game, and the numbers show that. Even just like you know, on some of the coverages now, they're actually putting shot attempts in the statistical outlay. Yeah, that's going to be commonplace on the coverage. And the numbers that you get there and go, whoa, that's extremely lopsided. But it, it's one of those things where you go, well, are those shots that are being directed to the Flames net not high percentage shots? So whilst they know they're getting outshot, they're making sure that they're, they're savable yeah. shots. Here's, and, the, and here's the thing with that. This is a popular um, myth. Trying, well, I don't want to <laughs> go that strongly worded, but... If you're a team that's really good at possession, let's say the flip side of Calgary, if you're gaining the puck that much and you're earning all these shot attempts, you're obviously skilled enough to have the puck. You're you're skilled enough to be finding danger areas. So yep. quality shots, quality of shots is already built into the actual statistic. Goes hand in hand, really. Because if you're great enough to get quality shots on a regular basis, you're sure as hell good enough to have the puck. Right or wrong? That makes sense. Yeah. It's built in. And it's been proven statistically that scoring chances and possession stats, there's a strong enough correlation there. So you don't have to separate the two. Yep. Now, that's That's not to say that bad possession teams don't get quality scoring chances. They do. That's part of the 45%. And that's what and that's what Calgary are riding on at the moment with that nine percent. Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm getting at. They're not getting more prime. They're just right now shooting really great. And my argument and and others is that perhaps that's not sustainable. Whether or not that bites them this year, well, that that remains to be seen. We'll see. Now the the reverse of Calgary though would be Minnesota, who seem to have all of the advanced stats trending in the right direction, yet right now are sitting outside of a playoff place and with a putrid power play, can't seem to win games that they should be. And because they're in that central division, may cost themselves a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels like are their numbers going to regress back to the average for them to win games? Well, guess what's hurt. <clears throat> sorry. Guess what's hurting them? <laughs> goaltending and power play. They're twenty eighth in goaltending. Kemper started like a house on fire. They thought they'd found their solution for. Remember, we talked what? about the Oilers at nine oh one. Yeah, what are they? Nine oh six. Okay. So, so they, even a great possession team. Do they wait for Bastion to come back? Oh, Harding, I mean, sorry. They got rid of Harding. So he's got, they, they did actually release him. They didn't just send him down for conditioning. 
Oh, good point. I don't know what happened with them. Did they flat out? They like, put I, him I, on I, waivers. Yeah, but I thought he actually cleared waivers and went down to went down to their their feeder team. Uh, yeah, I think he is. Sorry to dump a question on you with no notice. No, no. But the, so okay, so if whichever way you look at it, how do they solve that problem with what they've got on their roster? Do they get there and trade? They can't wait for the deadline to trade for uh, a goalie with good numbers because they'll be out by then because their numbers are trending the wrong direction in regards to wins. Man, if only they got in on the Brodeur sweepstakes. <laughs> Listen, Mr. Sarcasm. <laughs> you get my point, though, don't you? It's, it's too like... bad to see a really good team just not get average goaltending but that's the thing though it's the argument that a lot of Fleury supporters make where's your next option if you don't re-sign Fleury so where do where do Minnesota go to fill that hole at the moment because it it looks as though they can't trust Backstrom or Kemper well that's that's, you gotta do a lot of your work in the off season they're gonna lose this they're gonna lose this season that in hindsight, yeah, maybe so. You got to be proactive. You have to predict these things. You can't be a hindsight club. Right, when, so when I, I when I do a lot of this goaltending stuff, it's it's to you know be preventive on not going down a road, not getting good value. Anybody can look in hindsight and be like, oh, geez, this isn't working. You got to get out in front of it. Well, they thought they had until Harding went nuts. Mm, yeah, you're right. Maybe that, maybe and they are in, in a unique situation. But at the same time, no offense to Josh Harding, but having MS, that that's a real big red flag. That even though he oh, is yeah. playing great, like yeah, no, no, that's a that's a valid point. So they probably at what at any time you and and he they did lose him last year when he was having yeah. complications. Um, that this is a real variable, unfortunately, but it is something that needs to be considered when talking about him. But they, I'm, I'm sure they thought Kemper would be a little bit better. Well, your assumption would be that, yeah, well, that's right. As a backup, you, you could go Kemper. You can kind of get away with Kemper or, or Backstrom tending at, at 900 as a backup, but not as your starters. Um, but they gave know. big money to Backstrom. That goes into what? evaluating That's... the goaltending. Where did that go? I thought he was... Well, not big money, but... No, but I thought he was good to go. What happened to his game? It just sort of fell apart. It's bizarre. Well, it's not bizarre, but disappointing, I suppose, would be the word I should probably find. Well, don't give long-term contracts to goaltenders. Would be the uh, <laughs> lesson here. Would be the answer to that. Unless, like you said, you're a Pekka Rene or you're a Penguin Lundqvist. Geez, Rene is proving his worth now that he's healthy, isn't he? Yeah, he's one of the few worth the money. And that yeah. team's doing some good things. Remember that was when we talked about the, the, the divisions? And I said those kind of shrewd under-the-radar moves were either going to hit or miss. I obviously, when I made my predictions, I, I was leaning towards miss. Yeah. They've hit. Cool. Yeah. They've hit. For the and it's, it's worked beautifully for them. It's like a perfect storm. So 
kudos to kudos to Nashville for getting that right. I, it's Poyles. The Poyles, their GM, isn't he? Yeah, I, I have an well, idea guys. for them. That's pretty extreme. All right, lay it out. I would contemplate trading Shea Weber. For what? Find a, a desperate club like Edmonton or Philadelphia. I was going to say Philly. They wanted him before. Exactly. What would you get back from him, though? They don't exactly have a lot of pieces that they'd be willing to Their give away. Their D in Nashville is doing fine. I'm not so sure the um, investment for Weber is that much of an increase over what they currently have. And, and they got young guys like Seth, Seth Jones. Who, oh, no, they can still web. Don't get me wrong. The Roman UC, Ryan Ellis. I mean, we're yep. talking some pretty good players. No, I, I, I agree. And what's Weber's contract? Is it eight? For? What's his cap hit? 7.8. And it's not so, so much a knock. I mean, I'm not knocking Shea Weber. No, but no, no. That's once not again, just... we're back to this value. Yeah, part of things. No, I, I understand what you're saying. It's you're not getting rid of him because he's terrible. You're getting rid of him because the perceived value that he would have for those teams you'd be dealing with, you'd get a lot more back in return. I, I appreciate what you're saying. But if you look at Philadelphia, though, they've got no pieces that they'd be willing to give up. I don't know. <laughs> I think the, the, I, they Who were they, will, they were willing to give up four first round picks the second they signed him to that offer sheet. Oh, no, I'm, I appreciate that aspect of it. But so you're talking at least a first-round pick. I would ask and, for Wayne Simmons. Uh, so the thing, that you've got with, the thing that you've got with Philly, though, is if you give them Weber, are they going to fall out of that bottom five? Because at the moment, they're hanging around that. And if you're, if you're Nashville, you pray that they fall into that bottom five and give you a chance, as slim as it might be, to actually get... Oh, if you're Nashville, you're, you know, you're not worried about Philly in that regard. But if you got your first-round pick, yeah. That's what I mean. Like you'd be asking for it, and if they're crazy enough to give it, you pray to God that Jiro and um, Voracek get injured, or Mason gets injured, and pray that they tumble. But imagine he's got to have a no trade clause, though. I imagine. Oh yeah, I wouldn't. Think, I think. So I think you could rule Edmonton out of my little hypothetical situation. But Philly, he already literally signed on the dotted line. I reckon he just did that knowing that he was forcing their hand. Although I don't but think you're right. I I don't disagree that there was strategy involved there. But he had to know what it, in hindsight, Nashville should have taken the fourth four first rounders. Yeah, you look at it in regards to asset management, that's exactly what they should have done. I fully agree. Like the Sabres with Vanek. Yeah. Four first round picks, that's pretty badass you, haul for anybody. Is, it, is the problem for general managers that they get too attached to the player or they're too worried about the fallout with the fans? Well, Nashville couldn't because of marketing at the time. But now that they're so exciting and winning. That's a fan base thing. So, he, well, like you said, he, he's definitely movable if he doesn't have a whole heap of... I um, mean, I'm in the minority here. I don't think too many people are going to um, push, oh, push something like this. I would never have thought of trading... Shea Weber, but you've convinced me that it's definitely a plausible action, but you wouldn't be poor looking for it. It'd be someone coming to you with a going, can we have Shea Weber? Yeah, you're we'll not shopping you him, but... No, of course not. That's not what you're suggesting at all. But yeah, I'd, I'd never thought of it, but yeah, I suppose if someone does come to you with a deal that 
you go, you know what, this could turn the, the franchise around in particular aspects. If you were Philadelphia, you'd be absolutely nuts to actually get, offer your first-round pick in this particular season, no matter how much you think Shea Weber might be able to improve your back six to help out poor old Mason, who has definitely surprised your socks, I can tell you that, um, to get them out of that bottom five because they're flirting with that at the moment. And there's nothing in, in that the way that roster's playing at the moment that suggests to me that they can pull out of out of that hole. Even a change of coach wouldn't pull that roster out of a hole at the moment. Wouldn't hurt, but and, you're right. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, I don't think it matters if Babcock was coaching that team. I, I couldn't see him changing the way that team plays. It's just it's such a mess of a, it, you know, it's like good grief. You know, Hextel's got a hell of a lot of work to do there. He's really been dumped in it. And it'll be interesting to see whether he gets them out or whether he makes it worse. Whoever would help depends on what you give up. I was just floating it out there. I don't think it's even in the realm of oh, I don't something either, realistic, but I, I guess I just view, I look into some of these things and, you know, I try to take a different angle at it. You, you don't look at these these players as people at times and i think that's what <laughs> i don't mean to because i've no, no, that's I, you know i i have i i know people that have reached the highest level like i know people that have done this so like i know they're human beings it's not lost on me but when you're evaluating the the best way to be right more often and to be more accurate is to you know kind of strip away the human element and you've got to that's and that's i wasn't criticizing you for it but that's that's the way you look at it when you do these things and that's how general managers need to look at it you've got to get there and beside okay so here's an argument against what i was trying to say you get there and you trade away Fleury, who's apparently loved in that locker room that would probably be an example of trading away um an asset as a non-human asset where it could be a problem because it would upset the locker room. And maybe that's the case with Shea Weber in regards to the quote-unquote leadership value that he can bring. But there's no definable metric for that. So I think 90% of the time you do have to get there and go, if we let Weber walk for those four picks in five years' time, this franchise as a whole is going to be a lot better. However, the marketing aspect of it, the fact that you capped it, all those sorts of things, doesn't sell well to a franchise that had been struggling to attract fans because the type of hockey they had on the ice hasn't been exactly exciting. And, so and, they're, is, and they're unique in that regard. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And they have but a great fan base for um, a newer market. I think – I said this on American Thanksgiving. Uh, they were the only hockey game on. It mm. was uh, Thanksgiving night in Nashville. And I said, what a great atmosphere that must be. That, 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 to me, looked like such a fun time. Apparently, Nashville's a great place to go and watch hockey as a visitor. You don't want to leave. Yeah, there's a thing on Netflix. They do, like, an HD... Uh, like, they they film certain states um, yep. from a helicopter, like, overview, and, and they did Nashville, and, and, and it looked just like a really great place to visit. I forget what it was called, so sorry to those that have Netflix, but like they did like a, <laughs> it was like an eight part thing. They had like Tennessee, Maine, Vermont, California was a good one, but you know I you saw the the Bridgestone Arena 
and you know there's a narrator giving you some background on on the stuff just seems like nashville would be a hell of a time that's all i'm trying to say oh all the more reasons it's one of those arguments i have with a few people in in, why wouldn't you want to go and play in california (laughs) that's a great point i've been there twice and it's been awesome you get great weather all year round and you get to get paid a lot of money to go and play a sport you love it's the same as as florida and and tampa no not quite I can What's tell you the, the big difference between the two. Tell me. Much like New York State, where I live, California, very high taxes. They'll take a lot of your money. Florida has no state income tax, which is a um, a good bargaining chip for. So why do people want to go down and play in Florida? I do not get it. Some want to win, I guess. What's the stigma? Well, that's the thing. Why can't they attract free agents and get a group down there? And so, are they going to have to rely on these young guys that they want to have come through and just pick that franchise up? Well, the for Panthers a haven't been winning. That goes back to our other argument. People aren't going to South Beach, Miami, Florida, for the same reason they're not going to Edmonton. So basically, they're going to have to rely on this young group of players that look like they're starting to turn the corner, mind you, in, in Florida. And Ekblad's been a massive part of that. He's been really good fun to watch to just push them up because they're pushing for a playoff berth, Florida. Right now, yes. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if they, if, I mean, if all things are equal, Miami, Edmonton, obviously <laughs> Miami, you know. But... If they're both losing situations, there's 28 other options. Option. Yeah. No, no, it's just one of those things. Where it'll be interesting to see if in two or three years, if this trend in Florida continues with the young guys and they keep pushing, whether the no income tax and the weather does attract free agents down there. Because they'll end up, if the ownership is happy to, they'll end up near the cap and they can't just keep throwing money at Juicy J. You know, yeah, well, they can't keep throwing money at guys like that. Come on, Dave um, Bolin. Stop proving my point. He's he's actually their top paid forward. Really? 5.5 mil. Fleischman, 4.5. Jokinen, 4. How long How long is Bolin's contract for? Uh, eternity. Really? No. Well, sort of. One, two, three. Because it's, it was a five-year contract. All their young guys Four more years. Come- all the young guys are going to come off their entry levels and that's going to screw around with their cap. Not really. They're not even close. Well, won't they have... They're only three years long, those ACLs, aren't they? ALCs? 6.2 in cap space. All right, let's see whether the... Well, the owners would want to pay up to the cap then to fit all those guys in when they increase. And that's with like a guy like Campbell making 7.1. And he's he's, a... he's got this year and next year left on that. He is overpaid, but he is underrated. Yeah, that, that that kind of salary won't work for like a Chicago team. But didn't. That's why he's not there. But without him, they don't win that first cup. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So it's um, it's yeah, yeah, but they're is... losing a guy like Fleischman's four point five will come off the books. Ah, so but, they're gonna have. Yeah, they're not in any trouble whatsoever. It's going to be a matter of making it a winning atmosphere and um, the young guys panning out, which so far it looks good. Huberto, Trocek, 
I believe is he Pittsburgh native? Uh, Vincent Trocheck. Bukestad's starting to look the goods too. Um, uh, and like you said, Ekblad. Yeah, Matthias as well. So oh. Matthias. It's the thing, like Barkov. That's the one I was trying to remember. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the thing. It's the there's certainly a if you want to look at it in regards to a young core, it's certainly there. So it'll be interesting to see whether they get it right or whether they end up like Edmonton. Because there might not be a Panthers if they get it wrong. I'm not one for rooting for a relocation. No, I'd rather them stay. Don't get me wrong. It'd be it'd be good for the NHL if they can have two teams down in that state. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, it feels like the ownership's brought the team onto the pretense that if something I can't remember if it's an arena deal, something doesn't work, they can move the move the franchise. So. Not rooting for it, but at some point, well, the coyote, Coyotes would be the the ones that need to get the f out. <laughs> would. Now they end up on a different uh, ownership. We don't care who owns them. It doesn't matter. Glendale is not. It's too far no, of a no, drive no. from Phoenix. They, Thinking they in regards to a general manager that can actually spend, would Tippett be would Tippett be considered a better coach because he has better players, or is he just good in a Bilesman sense that he can get a lot out of a bad roster because of the system? Um, good question. I th- I, I think he'd do well. Yeah, I don't know. He seems to be a systems guy that he can eke everything he can out of lesser players, but you go and put high quality players in it, it um, negates their high skills. But who knows? We might not even get a chance to see it. Yeah. I don't think about them much. Why would Sadly. you? You've got a lot to think about. They're just a team that I suppose they exist. You know, I mean, there's not much there. I feel bad for Ekman Larson. That's a guy I'd like to watch more of, but there's just... Oh. You can't watch the Panthers. Oh, the Panthers. You can't watch the, the Arizona Coyotes because they're just not worth watching. There's nothing there that piques my interest. Except him, yeah. So. Oh, I've, I think I've tapped out everything I've got, really. Yeah. Got nothing else this week. Sorry for the the two weeks off, guys. Yeah, yeah. we were both busy. My uh, high school hockey season started, so between the writing, teaching that, you know, we try to do this when we can. So, how dare you get a busy life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So hopefully we'll get it, get this in again next week. So. I enjoyed doing it, so we'll see how we go. All right. Um, Until then, I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. See ya.